Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Some of the big ticket items that I think the next mayor should focus on. Definitely affordable housing, public transportation infrastructure, and building up our climate resiliency. I think San Jose is going to become a lot more urban in five to ten years. Uh, we kind of have to. Y otra cuestión muy importante que es demasiado la violencia que vivimos aquí peor en San Jose. Immediate things is safety, security, jobs, and uh, how people can make a living. San Jose is voting on who should be the city's next mayor. And whoever wins in the end is going to oversee some big changes on top of all the things voters are concerned about, like public safety, housing, and homelessness. The next mayor is really going to be looking forward and really going to be looking to the, all the ways the city might be changing over the course of the next two years, six years, or even ten years. Today, the San Jose mayoral race, who's running, and what voters care about. So this is the first time since 2014 that we have a race for mayor in San Jose with no incumbent. Guy Marzarati is a reporter and producer for KQED's Politics and Government Desk. He reported this story with Carlos Cabrera Lomeli, a community engagement reporter for KQED. So it's no surprise that given all the big issues facing the city now, in the future, there's a lot of interest in the job. There's seven candidates on the ballot in the June primary. And unless one candidate gets a majority vote, the top two finishers are going to face in a November runoff. on the same ballot that San Jose voters are going to be picking their mayor in June, there's a ballot measure, Measure B, that would change the mayoral elections going forward in the city. It would move mayoral elections from midterm election years to presidential years. And what that means for whoever wins this mayor's race is they have the opportunity to serve for 10 years. So they would be back on the ballot in two years, potentially in the presidential election, and then have the ability to serve two more terms after that. So it's kind of a unique pressure to both deliver results right away, um, but then also the potential to leave a real legacy and become the longest serving mayor San Jose's ever had. Carlos, how would you describe how big of a deal this election is in San Jose? Yeah, I mean, we have to look at where San Jose is right now, and uh, especially coming out of the pandemic. The city's trying to figure out how to, you know, uh, bring back downtown. The city's also trying to figure out how to bring back investment from outside the city and support small businesses at the same time. 
While the mayor of San Jose doesn't have as much power and authority as, let's say, the mayor of San Francisco, just because the way that the office is set up, the mayor is still the face of the city. It is still the face of local government and has the ability to bring community members, nonprofits, corporations, investors all together, which is what's really needed in the recovery for the city. I know you both did some reporting and hearing from voters on the mayoral election. Can you just, um, Carlos, start by telling me what you both did in your reporting to reach out to voters? You know, the big challenge for that was that San Jose is huge. It's more than 100 square miles. It's the biggest city in the Bay Area, I mean, by population as well. So we have to go find voters, especially voters that maybe aren't engaged with the political process as much. Part of it is mixing up places where you know people might be who are civically engaged. And then to Carlos's point, the kind of random encounters with folks uh, on the street. So I went to, you know, candidate forums for state and local offices, civic organizations. I stopped by St. John Vianney, a church where there was an organization for a local fiesta coming up. Places where I figured, OK, people who are going to be attending these kind of events have come some kind of civic stake. They're engaged. They're involved. And then the places like The Rose Garden, Carlos mentioned, where it's just folks out enjoying their days. We're asking them, hey, can can we uh, take a moment of your time and just talk to you about some of the issues the city's facing? So let's dig into some of those issues. Carlos, I want to start with you. What are some of the biggest issues that you heard about? When we spoke to voters, an issue that came up a lot was public safety. So my name is Nari Narendranath. At the Rose Garden, we met Nari Narendranath. How do you spell your names? How do I spell my name? You're giving me an assignment. Who is a resident of Evergreen, has been there for over 20 years. Public safety, and specifically how to guarantee, you know, that folks are safe within their homes is, like, super important to him. Right. Coming out of COVID, there is a whole lot of issues, right? One is homeless people, uh, robberies, etc., But at the same time, there are a lot of people who were, who had jobs, who are out of jobs, especially at the lower end of the economy, okay, they are struggling extremely, uh, extremely, okay. He shared that his house has been, you know, he experienced a a burglary very recently. And what he told us is, like, you know, he acknowledges the work that, like, local law enforcement is doing, but also that they're super maxed out. At the same time, there are smart ways of going ahead and then taking care of the neighborhoods and the people. Because I can, I can see that sometimes there's a traffic stop with one guy, teenager, with four cop cars. Not necessary. Okay. In both 2020 and 2021, San Jose reported really high numbers of both homicides, of both robberies, burglaries. And that's something that really struck a chord with Cecilia Aviles who's a resident of San Jose's east side neighborhood, a historically Latino neighborhood. We spoke to her at Placita Tropicana, a really big shopping center for Latino families in the area. She talks to, you know, the police, she talks to local officials as much as she can, but she feels that every time she talks to them, 
a, you know, there's this, you know, expression of concern, but really, you know, like this feeling of like, okay, you know, you can't really change it. It's the, it's East San Jose, that's part of it. But she really believes that the East Side is so much more than that and that it hasn't been taken seriously by City Hall for a long time. Guy, what are some of the other big issues that you and Carlos heard about when talking to voters in San Jose? Well, I think homelessness was one that stood out um, kind of across the board. It was something we heard from residents in many different neighborhoods in the city. I don't think that's a surprise. The latest homeless count showed an 11% increase uh, over the course of the pandemic. Um, but I also think housing and housing affordability was something that stood out in the voters that we talked to. Um, I'm thinking of Isabella Luong, who was a uh, resident of, Ro- of the Rose Garden, who's lived in San Jose her whole life. Uh, for me, I'm um, born and raised in the Bay Area, in San Jose. Um, So for me, it's really important if I'm able to continue living here and being close to my friends and family. Um, She really talked about the challenges and the fears that she faces about being able to spend the rest of her life in the city given the cost of housing. I certainly hope that like housing affordability can be tackled so that longtime residents like me and anyone else who wants to come live in San Jose and make it a working, thriving community for them is able to do so. She talked about really wanting the next mayor to focus on affordable housing so that she can stay close living to uh, family and friends. Uh, I've been in San Jose for over 20 years now. And, you know, trying to buy a property out here for a lot of folks is a big challenge. Uh, and just Another voter we talked to was Huey Tran, who lives in the Berryessa neighborhood. He kind of echoed a lot of the concerns Isabella had uh, as a resident who's lived in San Jose for 20 years. But something that stood out to me about Huey was that I think he really acknowledged that in order for the city to grapple with housing affordability, there might have to be some changes to how the city looks. And this is coming from someone who's lived there for decades. We're going to start seeing a lot more parts of San Jose be more dense, uh, become more modern. And I think it's a good thing. I mean, we're still going to have a lot of these neighborhoods, these single-family neighborhoods. Uh, But I think we also need to see parts of the city transform just to accommodate our changes. Yeah. What? stands out to you about these conversations you had with voters? Something that seemed to come up a through line through a lot of the issues was a lack of resources in the city. You heard it from Nari, who Carlos was talking about when it came to police response times. I heard it when I was talking to voters in Alam Rocks, uh, talked to a couple of voters, Sylvia Ardaz and Alice Rodriguez, who talked about just, you know, safety, pedestrian safety on streets and the fact that they've petitioned the city again and again to make their streets safer and, you know, either to fix up the streets or maybe put in speed bumps, things that could deter people from speeding. And they go long stretches of times without hearing back or really getting any response. I think that speaks to the fact that San Jose has budget issues unlike really any other part of the Bay Area. It doesn't have the businesses that you see in other parts of the region. And as a result, it doesn't have that local tax base. So whether you're talking about, you know, first responders or just kind of infrastructure improvements, San Jose's struggled with this for decades, and you really hear it in the concerns of voters. Coming up, who's running to be San Jose's next mayor? Hi, 
I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. What is important to know about how politics works in San Jose specifically? Well, I think historically the dominant split in San Jose politics has been between candidates backed by labor interests and then those backed by the business community. That's really been a key dynamic uh, for decades. And when you look at the city council, the mayor, the 10 council seats and the mayor, when you're trying to break down the balance of power there, that's really how it's been looked at. It's that is that dynamic of candidates backed by labor or backed by, you know, the Chamber of Commerce kind of business interests. So now let's talk about the candidates. Carlos, can you introduce the front runners in this race? You know, it's a big field with seven candidates, but we can still identify four front runners. You know, we can start off with um, the Santa Clara Board of Supervisors, Cindy Chavez, who has a lot of support from labor, from unions, used to be part of city council, used to lead a union. I'm running for mayor because I believe that genuine leadership can save lives and improve health, build affordable housing and keep people and their keep families safe and still do what we can um, to lead on social justice. We also have a... City Council Member uh, Raul Perales, who has also sought support from unions, used to be very much involved in San Jose police. And then they're kind of um, also striving for the progressive candidate mantle. I have served uh, my entire career dedicated to uh, our community, serving our community uh, as a a teacher, a police officer, and now an elected official. Uh, And uh, I'm uh, excited about the opportunity to help lead our city and make it a city for all of us. Matt Mahan is currently on city council. He was elected in 2020, so pretty recent on the job. And he comes from a background of tech and startups. And he has a lot of support from business interests uh, from inside the city and also outside. Now I'm running for mayor because our city is heading in the wrong direction on so many issues, from homelessness to trash and crime. And I know that we can do better. But in order to do better, we have to be radically more focused and accountable for results. And then uh, the fourth candidate is Deb Davis. She formerly was a Republican, now is an independent, very much about defending and protecting um, single family housing. We must work together because it is time to restore San Jose's status. We must be a safe, clean and thriving San Jose. 
So those are definitely the top four. And then you have three other candidates on the ballot, former police officer Jim Spence, and then two students, San Jose State undergrad uh, Marshall Woodmancy, formerly unhoused. Um, He's running along with another student, Travis Hill. Guy, there are four elected officials and three outsiders running for mayor in San Jose. Are there two who seem maybe most likely to make it to the runoff or could someone even win outright? Well, at this point, I think it's likely that Chavez and Mahan make it to the November runoff. They're probably the front runners in that regard. And I think a lot of what goes into that is campaign spending. Those two candidates are on roughly equal footing when it comes to how much their campaigns are spending. Chavez reporting around $780,000 of political spending versus Mayhan a little over $700,000. The difference is the outside spending in support of Chavez. And this really kind of cuts beyond the business versus labor divide that we've seen in years past. You have these independent expenditure committees, super PACs from unions like the South Bay Labor Council, the local police union spending on behalf of Chavez, but also folks in the business sector. Carl Gordino, a business leader in San Jose, he has a super PAC backing Chavez, and also the San Francisco 49ers, a big employer in the region, spending on her behalf. And what about Mahan? Who exactly is sort of backing his campaign? Mahan's gotten a lot of backing from uh, the business community. There's a super PAC spending on his behalf that was founded by current mayor Sam Licardo. Uh, and Licardo's brought in you know, money from the tech sector, from developers, um, and you know, they're, they're spending in order to boost Mahan's campaign. Earlier, we talked about the big issues that you heard from voters, whether that be public safety, homelessness and housing. How do these candidates differ on those issues, especially the four who are already elected officials? Let's start off with housing and homelessness. We need to keep building permanent supportive housing for extremely low income and very low income people from her position with the Board of Supervisors for the county, Chavez has put in a lot of funding and pushed a lot of affordable housing development. And I mean, this is something that she's definitely been repping throughout her campaign. We don't have enough housing at that price point. So Jim, even if people were working full time, they couldn't necessarily afford the rent. And and that's what we need. That's one thing. Then you have uh, Raul Perales, who definitely has well been a a loud proponent of affordable housing, pushing for more um, uh, support for tenants during and post the pandemic, and uh, statewide legislation to encourage more affordable housing, you know, within less developed areas of the city. I am proud to be um, a lifelong resident here in San Jose, uh, living here, growing up in a rent-controlled apartment over in West San Jose. And then you have, you know, for example, Deb Davis, who, you know, through her position as a kind of defender of the single family zoning, um, she's been very worried of where affordable housing developments get placed in the city. To restore San Jose as mayor, I will focus on rebuilding our public safety, protecting our single family homes and tackling our growing homelessness problem. Matt Mayhem wants to make the process to get building in San Jose more streamlined, make it easier and faster for developers. You know, what, what we're doing currently, while extremely well intended and helping some people, simply isn't scaling to the scope of the problem and it's, it's not working quickly enough. And I think this ties with his uh, mantra of 
cutting back bureaucratic inefficiency in the city and making things easier for businesses in the city. What are some of the biggest divides on public safety and homelessness in this race between those candidates? At least through public forums, all main four candidates have said that they want more funding for SJPD. SJPD, for the several years, has experienced budgeting issues, a lot of uh, officers leaving the force. And last year, it also went through a transition process uh, where a a new uh, police chief came on. So the question is, okay, let's increase funding for more officers. But what we heard from community members, especially in the east side, was, okay, well, just because there's more officers doesn't mean that there's going to be less crime. It also depends on how these officers build relationships with community. That's one question I and mean, something that we have yet to hear a lot of nuance from candidates about. I mean, I think, you know, take the issue of homeless encampments. There have been large encampments in the city in the past. Right now, there's a big one on city land south of the airport that's been drawing a lot of attention. And you see a real divide in what the candidates want to do about that on day one if they took office. I find that tough love is a form of compassion. Dev Davis has said her focus is going to be on clearing encampments. Raul Perales, on their hand, he says the city should actually be, you know, setting sanctioned encampments on certain city land that they can then oversee and have more ability to intervene on public health needs. We continue to abate encampments like this only to see these encampments re-encamped after abatement or simply people moving just a a few blocks away. When it comes to housing, you know, I think you've heard a lot of talk among all the candidates on you know, moving towards more affordable housing. I would say, you know, Perales has been the most likely to embrace state action when it comes to housing decisions. And then I think between the top two, Chavez and Mahan, you have Chavez with all these years of experience in local government touting a long record of accomplishments. To be frank with you, I don't think any candidate's going to have all the answers. I certainly don't. What I do have is the experience, I think, to work with the community to make big things happen. And then Mahan, who just won a seat on the council in 2020. So even though he holds office, he's really running this race as an outsider and bringing this approach of, you know, more accountability for city government and tying mayoral pay to whether specific metrics have been met. I believe that unless we can meet ambitious goals that we set on these key issues, elected officials and senior city staff shouldn't get raises. I think that's more of the dynamic that's distinguished Chavez and Mahan more than any one policy issue, though those kind of fault lines could definitely emerge more clearly in a runoff. Guy and Carlos, we talked about all the big issues that voters care about in the city, crime, homelessness, housing. What kind of difference can the next mayor of San Jose actually make in addressing issues like that? Uh, Carlos, I'll start with you. The way that the city is set up is that the mayor is, you know, it's quote unquote a weak mayor. Any initiative or policy really needs the support of a majority of city council. And we saw this with Sam Licardo's uh, tenure. Many of his initiatives like, were either stalled or just didn't see the light of day because city council e- either wasn't backing it or he wasn't able to build a coalition within that. The weak mayor system means as mayor, you really have to be someone who's forging compromises. I mean, yes, the mayor 
has more power than council members to lead the budget process. The mayor assigns council members to committees. But on policy issues, like Carlos is saying, the mayor is just one vote. So you need someone to be able to put together a coalition on really any policy issue that the mayor is pursuing. Someone who can work across divides, it sounds like. Exactly. And I think that's why you've seen whether it's Chavez talk about, you know, her long time in government, Perales talk about the great relationships he has with certain city council members. I think candidates are trying to portray the fact that they can work well with others. And I think in part, that's why you've seen a primary campaign up to this point that has not been that nasty. In candidate forum after candidate forum, there haven't been attacks between the different candidates. Um, And I think you've seen all of the leading candidates want to, you know, express this conciliatory nature that they will be able to work with the city council if elected. What do you think the results of this election in June will say about the future of the Bay Area's largest city? When we have a primary, that means that only two candidates will move on. You know, if if, if we go to a runoff election, that we only have two. And I think it's, you know, whether the combination of those two will tell us a lot about how voters are feeling is overall in the city about what type of vision they have for San Jose in the future. Within the last 10 years, San Jose has, you know, not just experienced the growth of the tech boom, you know, it has also experienced this loss of this reputation or this feeling of the last affordable big city in the Bay Area. What approach will City Hall take in making sure that longtime residents are not just fully housed, but also fully integrated in this decision-making process? I do think politically... The way that Mayhan and Chavez are running their campaigns could set up your classic like insider versus outsider candidate. I also think, you know, from voters that we talk to, people feel like they acknowledge San Jose is going to be changing a lot over the tenure of the next mayor. And I know when Sam Licardo took office, when he won back in 2014, a, l- a large part of what was you know on his plate was just cleaning up the city's past problems, largely the pension issue. Now voters have an acknowledgement that the next mayor is really going to be looking forward and really going to be looking to the all the ways the city might be changing over the course of the next, you know, whether it's they're serving two years, six years or even 10 years. Guy and Carlos, thank you so much for breaking this down. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. California's primary election is on Tuesday, June 7th. All registered California voters should have received a mail-in ballot, but you can still vote in person if you want. For more info on voting in the June primary, visit KQED's Voter Guide at kqed.org slash voter guide. Thanks to Carlos Cabrera Lomeli, a community engagement reporter, and Guy Marzarati, reporter and producer with KQED's Politics and Government Desk. This 35-minute conversation with Guy and Carlos was cut and edited by editor Alan Monticilio. I scored this episode and added all the tape. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Peace. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.